President Bush's nominee for Surgeon General once wrote that homosexual sex is unnatural and that homosexuals can change. Should he have to moderate those views to gain confirmation? And we'll talk with the Southern Baptist's new leader of ministry to homosexuals. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is Penna Dexter. When America starts drawing down our forces in Iraq, it will be because our military commanders say the conditions on the ground are right, not because pollsters say it would be good politics. Well, President Bush sounds a little more low-key than he did in his press conference last week on Iraq and on the surge. That was his Saturday radio address. He's really reiterating some of the things he said in the press conference. He says he will not give in to public pressure in the war on Iraq. And of course, this is as Congress and the Senate have vote after vote on the troop surge, the idea of bringing the troops home, the idea of setting dates. President Bush continues to speak about the necessity of moving forward in Iraq and letting the troop surge uh, do its work. And uh, we're going to open the phones here in the first segment of Jerry Johnson Live, 800-881-9270. Should the United States pull the plug on the surge, as so many in Congress and even in the public are saying we should do? Uh, Or... What if General Petraeus and his uh, other general there in Iraq, Odierno, say they need more troops? They need another surge. Should we do it? Give us a call, 1-800-881-9270. Of course, the Sunday shows were all about this. Former uh, Congressman Lee Hamilton, who was co-chair of that Iraq study group, we talked about that months ago, said on NBC's Today that uh, the Iraqi Prime Minister, Nouri al-Maliki, He made a comment that the Iraqis were capable of maintaining security when the American troops leave, but Congressman Hamilton says that's off the wall. There is no chance that the Iraqi forces could completely take over uh, by any time and certainly even by the first of the year. Now, uh, we do acknowledge that some coalition troops would need to stay there. I don't think anybody's saying that all troops would leave. And if they are, they're being disingenuous. Uh, But lots of people are saying, uh, lots of observers saying the surge is actually having positive results. Now, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Marine General Peter Pace, says uh, they're working on this. Give them some time. 
Uh, as a matter of fact, he saw improvement in his last visit to Iraq. He says the number of Iraqi army battalions able to operate independently of U.S. forces has actually dropped slightly, but the U.S. isn't really concerned. He expects them to go up again. We do want to see uh, the number uh, go into double figures and start moving more toward more Iraqi units being able to operate on their own. You have the generals there saying, give us some time. Let's let this work. So what do you think? Should we pull the plug on the surge? Or should we even think about increasing the numbers of troops if that's what the generals want? They are not saying they want that right now. Uh, but that is an option that uh, Peter Pace has actually laid out. Our number is 800-881-9270. Give us a call. Uh, the uh, Joint Chiefs of, Cha- of Staff Chairman, Peter Pace, he will be stepping down soon. But uh, he did make a statement today that the uh, chiefs of the Army, the Air Force, the Marines, and the Navy, which is the Joint Chiefs of Staff, are going to have their own assessment in September when General Petraeus gives his report on the surge. He says, we may need to plus up or we may need to come down. He says, we're going to consider what's going to work best on the battlefield. Meanwhile, the senators are talking about it. Senator uh, Lamar Alexander, Republican from Tennessee, on Sunday, on Face the Nation on CBS, said a new proposal would still leave a U.S. presence in the region. It would define a long-term limited mission in Iraq with considerable American presence in the Middle East and sufficient American forces there to guard our embassy, to go after al-Qaeda, to secure the bases, force protection. And finally, it would step up political and regional uh, efforts to solve the problem. Another senator, another southern senator, Mississippi Senator Trent Lott, says on CNN's late edition, we need to give President Bush's troop surge plan more time. We debated this really for five months, and we just uh, voted for the legislation that allowed the surge to go forward and the funds for the troops uh, to do that. And uh, the final uh, element of the 30,000 that moved in to try to get the violence under control in Baghdad and some of the other provinces just got there some three weeks ago. So what do you think about it? We'd love to hear from you, 800-881-9270. Also, the hate crimes legislation is being considered this week as an amendment to the defense authorization bill. This was supposed to be a standalone bill, the Matthew the Matthew Shepard law, uh, which is basically very inappropriately named since the Matthew Shepard murder was not deemed to be a hate crime. It was a crime, and the perpetrators were uh, punished appropriately. But uh, this will be considered in Congress, and uh, Elizabeth Edwards, the wife of the presidential candidate, former uh, Senator John Edwards, referring to this when she recently slammed President Bush in a speech for not doing anything to help protect gays and lesbians against violence. Here's a report from Jim Ludwin. In her speech, Edwards says Bush talks about seeking out evildoers but apparently fails to recognize the evil in hate crimes. In Edwards' words, the right to live without fear of being murdered for whom we love is not a special right. She cited the story of a Sacramento man that witnesses said was beaten to death by other men who thought he was gay. We're also going to talk about uh, Surgeon Generals today. There's a Surgeon General going through the approval process right now, President Bush's nominee. We'll talk about him later in the broadcast. He is James Holsinger, and uh, he has some views on homosexuality. He says homosexuality is unnatural. Uh, He's getting in trouble from some uh, homosexual advocates with regard to this. 
And uh, we have to go back to a statement made by a former Surgeon General, Richard Carmona. He's complaining that he was muzzled by the Bush administration on certain issues, that he had to support abstinence-only education, that he could not uh, voice his views, that he thinks condom education is also a good thing. He also had to support uh, stem cell research only with adult stem cells because he doesn't uh, agree with the Bush administration's idea that embryonic stem cell research is uh, basically the taking of a human life and should not be funded by the government. In other words, he disagreed with the president who appointed him on various issues, and the administration wanted him to toe the uh, the president's line on these things. So he is critical of the president with regard to this. We're going to talk a little bit later about the newest appointee, Holsinger. Uh, is he correct in stating that homosexuality is unnatural, and should he back off from that? Uh, the Criswell College's Denny Burke will join us to do that. And speaking of homosexuality, we're also going to ask the question, could churches do better in ministering to homosexuals? Bob Stith will join us. He thinks so, and he is in a position to help the Southern Baptist Convention do that. That will be later in the program, but we are taking your calls. And let's go to Larry in Dallas. Larry, thank you for calling. Thank what you. do you think about the surge? I, uh, about the truth in Iraq, I'll, I'll keep it brief here, but if it's having positive effect in Iraq can get control, as far as keeping the true strength that it is and then decreasing it as time goes by, I had no problem with. The death toll, well, that's war. I hate to say it, but that's war. We're too close to it. We're in the thick of it. And that's the cost of it. But uh, if there's not going to be any long-term effect and all we're doing is losing lives in over there and the Civil War will destroy them anyway, I say get out now. Who do you think gets to decide that? I'm sorry, what was that? Who do you think should decide that? I mean, we've got senators uh, second-guessing the generals right now. Personally, I think it should be from the White House and the generals who are actually in the ground and see it firsthand, not the politicians. Larry, thanks for your call. And, uh, you know, I think you agree with Michael Barone, who is a uh, columnist for uh, U.S. News and World Report, and uh, he is... uh, an observer of politics for many, many years. He says the surge of troops ordered by President Bush last January and completed just June 15th. That is when the final troops arrived in Iraq. He says that new strategy of forward action against al-Qaeda forces has actually produced or accelerated some very encouraging developments. One of them, he says, is the rout of al-Qaeda in Anbar province. President Bush mentioned that last week. Uh, it, uh, Al-Qaeda seemed to control Anbar just six months ago. Also, there are similar developments in the Diyala prog- uh, province north of Baghdad and a sharp decrease in sectarian violence in Baghdad and elsewhere. It sounds like there's some positive momentum uh, that should be allowed to continue. Yet, he says, majorities in the House and Senate seem to want to call the whole thing off with not much care for the consequences. Let's go back to the phones and talk to Dixie in Grand Prairie. Hi, Dixie. Thanks for calling. Yes, hi. I just want to say that uh, I was not for the war when it began, but we're in there now, and I feel and believe that we should support President Bush and see this thing through and help those people in Iraq. Dixie, what do you think about people who were for the war, especially those who voted for it, who are now saying, uh, let's pull out now? 
Well, I mean, you know, I can see their concern. Lives are being lost, but there is a price for everything that you want to accomplish in this life. And certainly this is a war and lives will be lost. And uh, we're in it. And I think that we should just stay till the end. Thank you, Dixie. We appreciate your call, and uh, you are listening to Jerry Johnson Live. I'm Penna Dexter, and, you know, we hear this constant drumbeat every week. I think there's going to be a vote in the Senate. There was one in the House last week really arguing for a date with which to begin a pullout and a date with which to have the troops gone, which it was in about a year, uh, actually next spring. And, of course, President Bush will veto all these things, but what they really do is kind of pull the rug out from under the troops when they see the Congress, the Senate, and the House, and even members of the public and public opinion and the news media here in the United States constantly railing against their efforts. And really, uh, I think it really does grate on and degrade their morale. Uh, The New York Times, of course, uh, major media, arguing for a pullout right now. They say that the result from that pullout actually may be genocide in the region. But I guess they really don't care. It just doesn't seem to matter to them. Michael Barone, who uh, has a piece on townhall.com today, says that really that type of genocide to some of these folks is somehow seen as preferable to to continuing a conflict that has produced U.S. casualties of the magnitude of those suffered in, get this, the first 24 hours after U.S. forces landed in Normandy. Normandy. Sometimes we have to put these things in perspective. 3,000-plus troops, that's a lot of deaths. That's a lot of human lives. And, of course, every death is someone's son, someone's brother, someone's sister. And so we certainly cannot ignore that. But as our caller said, this is war, and we are in a battle, and we are in a battle against an enemy that hates us and wants to destroy us, and will come here if we don't win the battle over there. Well, ladies and gentlemen, next up we are going to talk with Dr. Denny Burke about this presidential nominee uh, for the post of Surgeon General. The Surgeon General, it's a bully pulpit for health care issues in the United States, and of course the big hoopla over this has to do with the issue of homosexuality. Is it natural? Is it not natural? Should a doctor, a PhD in anatomy, be allowed to say what homosexuality really is? Or does he need to backtrack? Seems like he might have been backtracking a little bit last week. We'll talk about all of that right after this. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. 
Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture in the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with his word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's criswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. Welcome back to Jerry Johnson Live. Here's the question. Should a nominee for Surgeon General of the United States be disqualified because he is a traditional United Methodist? That's the question we're asking, and uh, some other people are asking that, too. Homosexual groups have denounced the nomination of Dr. James Holsinger for U.S. Surgeon General because of his leadership in the United Methodist Church. Uh, which uh, disapproves of homosexual practice. And he actually advised the United Methodist Church about that more than a decade ago. He he, uh, testified last week before the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee, chaired by guess who, Senator Ted Kennedy. And uh, with us to talk about it is Dr. Denny Burke. Dr. Burke is a professor of New Testament and Greek here at the Criswell College. He'll be hosting... Jerry Johnson live on Thursday on Theology Day, and Dr. Burke, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Penna. Glad to be here. Do you think, and what is your response to this question that I just asked? Should a Surgeon General nominee, or any nominee, but especially Surgeon General, since we're talking about health issues, be disqualified because he's got traditional biblical views on homosexuality? Oh, well, no, I, I think not. As a matter of fact, if you do disqualify people, uh, merely because of their, uh, they think homosexuality is immoral, um, on those grounds, that's, ba- that's a de facto religious test. It's not just Christianity, it's others that hold that homosexuality is immoral, that it's unnatural, and um, um, so I, it, it almost ends up being a de facto religious test. Denny, you've been blogging on this at uh, com, and uh, this is uh, James Holsinger, Jr., he is a University of Kentucky professor of anatomy, so I think he yeah. knows. Uh, he's got his medical and Ph.D. degrees from Duke University. That's right. And ever since uh, President Bush announced this nominee, we've heard these critiques, including from the New York Times, saying, and his view really is that it's incompatible. Homosexuality is incompatible with Christian teaching, and it's also unnatural because of the way we were made. Is that how you'd characterize it? Yeah, he is... View has you know basically two strands to it. Number one strand is he thinks it's incompatible with Christian teaching, which is a view that would um, you know most Christians would just base on divine revelation that the Scripture reveals that homosexuality is um, a sin and it's immoral. It's not a part of God's design. So he's got that strand that he holds to, and he's faithful, uh, a faithful United Methodist or a pretty fundamental United Methodist in that regard. And then the other strand is the scientific strand, and he's a medical doctor by training. And so, um, you know, he thinks that just physiologically it's plain that homosexuality is unnatural. And what was caused so much ca- uh, controversy was this white paper that he wrote in 1991, which he actually wrote for a, a church group on homosexuality and on the pathology, uh, or uh, what he calls actually the pathophysiology of male homosexuality. 
and he argues in this paper about um, certain diseases and um, physical maladies that result uh, when people engage in homosexual behavior. And he so says he's really just writing the science of it. it. Well, he says they get sick and they're prone to certain di- diseases, um, um, you know, based on the behavior. And, of course, this was in 1991, and in his confirmation hearings the other day, he, just, he said, you know, this paper would be totally different if I wrote it now because it was a scientific paper based on research at the time. And he says, you know, things have changed since 1991. I would have it'd be written differently. But he quotes over 14 different from, you know, over 14 different sources at the time from studies between 1983 and 1989, which that's fairly current for 1991, and to support his view to show this connection between uh, homosexual behavior and certain kinds of diseases and illnesses. And so he, he, and he was presenting this to his church. And so they brought this white paper up, and that's where a lot of the critique has been coming from, be it from the editors at the New York Times or uh, Senator Kennedy. Denny, uh, first of all, we had this uh, hearing last week, and uh, Senator Kennedy heads up the committee that uh, that held the hearing. So you know he's really on the hot seat. Sure. Now, you know, when he says that he wouldn't have written this today, I, I, mean, I sort of look at this as waffling. What do you think? Well, you know, I read the—I didn't watch the hearings. I read the coverage of it. So if, if I have a, a defective view based on the coverage, forgive me. My understanding was was that he he was backing away from the uh, the summary of the science at that moment. He wasn't backing away from his view on homosexuality, and so his the way he summarized the uh, scientific uh, consensus on this would probably be different today because there's been you know 16 years of research mm-hmm. that have gone on that's published you know quarterly in journals and things like that. So. Uh, uh, you know, I can understand that. Now, that was my understanding of the coverage. If, if, if he said something to back away from his stance on homosexuality, I didn't see that. Uh, well, I know that you know, there's been a big run-up to this. Christians have been talking about it. We've been kind of excited that he takes his faith seriously and that he was basically sticking with the scriptures to biblical teaching and yeah. also some of this science that you mentioned. Uh, but you know, he did say in the hearings that now his big push— won't be this. It'll be uh, the obesity academic, uh, epidemic and, uh, you know, maybe heavier cigarette taxes. Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah, you know. Well, it's definitely less of a, a hot potato to do that. But, uh, you know, of course, the important thing to remember, though, and I just, just to make this point, science or no science, um, to affirm that homosexuality, to what the Bible affirms about homosexuality is the important thing. I don't care if he changes how he would summarize the scientific consensus on homosexuality. To me, that's not essential. What's essential is, is does he affirm what the Bible affirms in spite of how the scientific consensus ebbs and flows? Does that make sense? It sure does. Dr. Denny Burke is my guest, and he, uh, again, will be hosting this program on Thursday. It'll be Theology Day. He is professor of New Testament and Greek here at the Criswell College. He's also an editor for the Journal for the Council for Biblical Manhood and Womanhood, and he has a blog at uh, www.dennyburke.com. Now, it's very interesting, Denny, when we look at this other Surgeon General, this former uh, Surgeon General Carmona, complaining about the Bush administration muzzling his view 
views because they weren't the administration's views. And then you have Ted Kennedy, who um, I don't know if you saw this in the Wall Street Journal today, but it talks about the push that Kennedy and also Representative Henry Waxman are are advocating to take the Surgeon General's, um, I don't know, away from the administration and make him more accountable to the Congress. And this makes me wonder, in a sense, why do we even need a Surgeon General? I mean, I know it's a bully pulpit, but it seems like it's just getting so political. Yeah, it really is getting political. And and, and, uh, some people were reporting that uh, Kennedy was sort of alleging that really um, Holsinger's views were that he just wanted to deny uh, health services or health, you know, you know, health services to homosexuals, um, which is not what his record was. But you can kind of politicize what the actual record is and spin it that way. And uh, so it's definitely being used as a, a political beanbag back and forth. And I think that uh, I think that's very unfortunate. I think it's unfortunate when you mischaracterize someone's record like that. At Holsinger, at least, you know, he was he was very clear. I thought that he believes in the essential dig- human dignity of all peoples, regardless of, you know, what moral or immoral acts they participate in. And of course, that's never his view that you deny health care to certain people based on sexual uh, orientation. But because it's been politicized, um, you know, that was one of the I think false arguments being made against him. Well, when I look at this, uh, if he is confirmed, um, I hope that. Christians across the nation will actually contact him and encourage him to uh, actually dig deep and remember that paper uh, and uh, think about his biblical views on homosexuality. He was actually influential uh, in the United Methodist Church to hold on to their stance, uh, their biblical stance on homosexuality. They've had a lot of debate on that and a, a lot of dissension on that issue. And uh, so if, you know, he could actually bring some common sense to bear to this whole idea also about the idea that homosexuals are not born that way, because that is something else that he's been criticized for, is intimating that it's not a genetic situation. Yeah, well, you know, how he's going to prioritize that is, you know, I I don't know. It it does sound to me like he's going to prioritize obesity, uh, the issue of obesity in our culture, which is... You know, it sounds to me more like a, um, it, it's not on the front burner. Front burner. No, I don't think it'll be a front burner. Unless we encourage him to do so. I think it would be a great thing to do because uh, this guy needs some support uh, in the face of all this critique. Well, Denny, thank you so much for joining me. And uh, you have, any, have you guys decided yet uh, what you're going to address on Thursday? Or are you just going to let the callers kind of ask you anything? Um, it's uh, not decided yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of times we call it Ask a Theologian Anything uh, yeah. Thursday. It may be that, but I have a feeling uh, Dr. Burke will. have a topic before then. Yeah, Dr. Burke will have something on his mind. Again, it's uh, www.dennyburke.com. And uh, Dr. Denny Burke, thank you for being with me. Thank you, Penna. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're going to continue talking about this issue of homosexuality because there is a lot in the news lately with regard to whether or not homosexuals can change. Uh, I believe it's this week that the American Psychological Association is actually going to look at the issue of uh, reparative therapy. Should people be involved in the process of helping homosexuals who want to leave the lifestyle, leave the lifestyle? Is homosexuality a genetic disorder? 
uh, or or just a genetic uh, way of being that has no moral right or wrong to it. Those are some of the uh, questions that they deal with. Also in the news, uh, there's a a leader in the homosexual movement that has actually left the lifestyle. He's got a lot of, uh, getting a lot of criticism from those uh, who are homosexual activists. Uh, but what we're going to discuss in the next segment is the church. How is the church doing in dealing with homosexuality? Uh, does the church have it right with regard to doctrine? What about compassion? What do we do with homosexuals in our church who want to leave or maybe don't want to leave? We're going to talk with Bob Stith, who has a new position in the Southern Baptist Convention addressing just that. It ought to be interesting. Stay with us. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. Welcome back to Jerry Johnson Live. We've been very clear on this program uh, with regard to the issue of homosexuality and the church, that the church must stand against the sin of homosexuality. But uh, we've got to ask the question, is the church missing something with regard to a ministry opportunity to homosexuals? My next guest uh, is actually in studio to talk about that. He is Bob Stith, and uh, he is the National Strategist for Gender Issues, a new position in the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, He is also chairman of the board for Living Hope, which is an Exodus Ministries referral group here in the Metroplex. He served for many, many years, I believe it's 37 years, as pastor of Carroll Baptist Church uh, in South Lake, Texas. And Bob, thank you so much for being with me. Thank you, Penna. It's good to be here. I know that uh, the Southern Baptist Convention appointed you to this position, and it's something that you have advocated uh, that there needs to be greater ministry of the church, and of course Southern Baptist Convention is the largest denomination that's Protestant in the country, so it ought to be the leader to homosexuals. Uh, tell us about your vision. My vision is is for churches to recognize, for instance, when, when God convicted me of this, I had very little concept of people who wanted out of this. Uh, I suppose because of listening to the activists and, and the media coverage, I just assumed that people really were okay with that. Mm-hmm. And I discovered how many people really desperately want out of that. And the church in general seems not to be aware of that and not addressing that in a redemptive way. Do you think uh, that I know that the Southern Baptist leaders were basically got on board with this and got fairly excited about the idea of having some sort of a task force that would teach uh, seminary students and also pastors and, and kind of encourage them in ministering to homosexuals. But what about it? How has it caught on in the local church? Not as well as we'd like for it to. For some reason, the, the people in the pews are more open to it, and possibly because they're dealing with it in their families, their friends, mm-hmm. and so forth. And uh, perhaps uh, leadership is not as in touch with that. But the people, as I told one church that I went to speak to, uh, because one of their leading laymen had announced that he was leaving his wife uh, and his children, and I said, what you have to understand is he's not the only one who needs ministry. His wife is going to need ministry. His kids are going to need ministry. The people who are his friends in the church will need ministry. And all of that is is somewhat specialized. So you really need to understand how to deal with all of that. 
And they really were looking only at the issue itself and not at the ramifications of it. It's a huge uh, ministry opportunity, and I think, as you said, it is untapped. Uh, In a sense, do you think that uh, some people, especially even some pastors, just don't want to think about it or acknowledge that this is necessary? I think so, and and some of it may be a male thing where, you know, as as males, if we don't know how to do something, we would prefer to do something else. And And most of us don't know how to do this. (laughs) Right, right. As I've said before, it took me two years to find out how much I didn't know uh, about doing this kind of ministry. And it is difficult, and it requires a lot of hands-on, a lot of involvement. And some people just don't want to invest that time. Perhaps in a seeker-sensitive culture, we recognize the bottom line is, is not as huge as we would like. So we tend to avoid that. But the need is desperate, and it's going to affect all of us and has affected all of us. Bob Stith is with me, and uh, Bob is National Strategist for Gender Issues for the Southern Baptist Convention. But if you're not a Southern Baptist, I think you have a lot to to learn here. Uh, And if you are a Southern Baptist, you have a lot to learn, because all churches really need to be looking at and dealing with the issue of homosexuality. And, Bob, the question I have is, um, we can communicate, a pastor can communicate the scriptural, um, the scriptures about homosexuality and teach people that this is a sin and teach people that they can get forgiveness in Jesus Christ. But what about people who are in the church who just refuse to accept that, would like to stay in the church, but want to continue in their sin? What do you do with them? Well, I think you would do the same thing you would with any other sin. And I think this is one of the problems we have. We separate this sin. Uh, Hopefully, as a church, we would we would deal with each sin in the same way, that if people persist in doing something that the church has taken a stand on, then they would lose whatever privileges, depending on uh, what church it is. Would it be church discipline? I think so. I, I, would, I would say that. Mm-hmm. You know, and for Southern Baptists, that would definitely be the way that you would go. Ladies and gentlemen, come and join our conversation. The number is 800-881-9270. Have you run into uh, a homosexual ministry in your church? Uh, Do you see a need for such a ministry in your church? And do you think homosexuals uh, can change? And that's what I want to ask you about, Bob, because there is a debate about this now. And I even know believers, uh, godly believers, who really think that homosexuals are born that way, or or at least are born with some sort of a tendency. And I've come to the point in my life where I don't know that I can completely deny that someone might be actually inclined toward homosexuality from a very, very early age. Well, I think that's true, and I think it's one of the reasons why I want so much for pastors to get on board and for our schools to begin training our students before they get out into the field to understand all the different ramifications because our people are subtly beginning to accept what they hear over and over, and and they begin to believe, well, maybe they were born that way, maybe they can't change. None of that really is true. I think at best, as you, you referred to, there may be some inclination from an early age, but that's not determination. Mm-hmm. And this is what many people want it to be. They want it to be determination. It isn't. Well, that'd be saying, like, uh, I'm inclined to some other sin, so I am forced to live in that sin and walk in it the rest of my life. Dr. Francis Collin has been head of the Human Genome Project, and he he has said, you know, that their task was to unravel the mysteries of DNA, and they've completed that ahead of schedule. He said he doesn't think there is a genetic basis for any behavior. He thinks there may be a predisposition, but not predetermination. 
Come and join us. Uh, Bob Stith is my guest, and we're having an interesting conversation here. The number is 800-881-9270. Michelle is in Louisville. Michelle, thank you for calling. And I guess we don't have her, but let's go to David in Dallas. Hi, David. Yes, uh, yes, this is David. Um, my comment was that, uh, you know, I feel like uh, the local church has really missed out on a lot of opportunities to minister, uh, just like your guest was saying, because... Um, I don't know. We, you know, I think our, the main thing that we suffer from is that we are separating the sin of homosexuality from other sins. We don't tend to. I mean, if this was someone who was an alcoholic or someone who was, um, you know, any other sin that they would be involved in, I think we would treat it differently. And uh, but um, you know, there. I think that you're right because. A person who's an alcoholic normally is much more, uh, I guess, ready to admit they're an alcoholic in front of other Christians or other folks in their life than to say, I'm a homosexual. That's a tough thing for a person to say, I think, especially in Christian circles. Isn't it, Bob? I think it is. And I've, I've talked to so many men and women who have been very much afraid to acknowledge to their church that this is what they struggle with. And sometimes it's because of, of careless remarks that they've heard, either from the pulpit or Sunday school classes or so forth, and they don't feel safe in saying, you know, I struggle with this. Can you help me? So what is your plan? I mean, how are you going to help churches in the SBC to deal with this this sort of duality here where we have to, we can't back off on on the Bible and what the right. Bible says about it, and also even the physical consequences of homosexuality, right. and yet you want to minister to folks. So how do you how do you walk that line? For one thing, for me personally, as I've I've talked with gay friends before, I've said to them, I believe that God has a plan for each one of us. That He really wants to bless us. He really wants us to have a life that's filled with His presence, with joy. I don't think we can have that if we choose to live outside of His will in any area. And so as a Christian, I want people to have everything God wants them to have. I want them to have all of his fullness. And they can't have that if they choose to live uh, out of his will. We continue to take your calls here on Jerry Johnson Live, 800-881-9270. Mary Ann is in Arlington. Hi, Mary Ann. Hi. Um, there is a ministry in the Catholic Church for the Catholic Diocese of Fort Worth, headed by Father Warren for gay and lesbians. Are you aware and of it, Bob? I'm aware of the group Courage in the Catholic Church. I'm not aware of this specific group. Go ahead, Marianne. Oh, I was just going to say that they could contact the Catholic Diocese of Fort Worth. Okay, great. Thank you. We appreciate that. Let's go to Jake in Dallas. Hi, Jake. Jake, uh, are you there? We seem to be dropping a couple of callers, but... uh, We would love to have you call back, and we are going to continue this conversation throughout the next segment. But, um, Bob, I wanted to bring up uh, something I mentioned earlier in the program, and that is the fact that the American Psychological Association is actually addressing this issue of can homosexuals change, can they leave the lifestyle. So it's sort of appropriate uh, that we're talking about this. Uh, But I think uh, what the homosexual activists are hoping is that they'll actually denounce the idea of helping people out of homosexuality, but that's the wrong way, isn't it? It is. The APA, for some reason, which uh, I could guess at, but they have refused to put anyone on that study committee who doesn't agree with their views. Really? They have They have absolutely denied the right of anyone who, who has a view that homosexuals can change to be on there. And oddly, they say, well, we don't want people who are prejudiced to have a, a preconceived hmm. point of view. 
However, Glisten has has uh, definitely got their candidates on there. They so, do. So I'm not really expecting a lot of uh, a fairness from from that. The odd thing is that anyone who has attempted to change any addictive behavior, anything that's deeply entrenched, is aware that it's painful, and and also is aware that if and when they fail, it it has devastating effect on them. This is no different from that, but mm-hmm. that's not a reason not to make it available for people who want that. We'll continue this conversation with Bob Smith uh, Stith in the next segment. The number is 800-881-9270. If you're waiting on the line, uh, please wait, and we will take your call. I know Brenda in Holtham City is there. Brenda, uh, after the break, we'll talk with you. Anne is in Dallas, Valley in Saxe, and uh, we want to continue talking about this issue Do you see a need for ministry to homosexuals and their families in your church, uh, in the Christian community as a whole? We'd love to hear from you. Stay with us. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with his word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. And Bob Stith is with me, and Bob Stith uh, has a heart for ministry to homosexuals. He's leading the Southern Baptist Convention in doing so. It's a new position, and uh, it's going to be wonderful to see how this plays out, Bob. But I did want to bring up a story that I read uh, a couple of weeks ago in World Net Daily talking about a rising star in the gay rights movement. His name, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, but um, I will try. Michael Glatze, I think, or Michael Glatze. Uh, he has given up homosexual activism. He was actually the editor of Young Gay America magazine, uh, and he cut himself off from the homosexuality, uh, homosexual community about a year and a half ago. His whole story uh, can be found at worldnetdaily.com. But, Bob, the homosexual community gets a little uh, nervous when somebody uh, actually leaves the lifestyle like this. Yeah, there. There usually is a tendency to uh, downplay that or to say, well, he, he's been brainwashed or uh, something like that. But his story is not uncommon for those of us who have been involved with this for a long time, of people who say, yeah, I was an activist, I did all things, but, but I really was not happy with it. I really felt that there was, it was a dark thing in my life, and, and I wanted out. Hmm. Well, how, uh, how will you go about guiding Southern Baptist churches, pastors, and seminary students in dealing with this issue. Give me some specifics. 
the specifics, we, we want to get churches aware of the fact that, that they have people in their congregations who struggle. It's interesting to me here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area how many times we've had churches tell us uh, we don't have that problem, and then being involved in a ministry where we see their members. We know they have that mm-hmm. problem, and every church does. They, whether they recognize or not, the church I mentioned earlier had no idea this man struggled with this until he told them that he did. So churches have the problem. They, they need to address it redemptively and proactively. Let's take some calls uh, for Bob here in the final segment of Jerry Johnson Live. Let's go to Brenda in Haltham City. Hi, Brenda. Hi. Um, I just I had a couple comments and a question. Uh, I'm a recent convert to Christianity. I got saved a few years ago. I grew up with a boy who, who came out gay, and I knew several other gay men. And for us, it was kind of like, well, duh. I mean, we just knew it. And, I mean, I grew up in this, this culture that we have, and... I just don't like the terminology a lot of Christians use who it's it's an us and them thing. And most of the men that I knew who became gay or came out, they thought it was a freeing thing. They experienced it as I finally feel accepted and I finally feel loved. Usually only to find out a couple of years later it's, you know, a terrible thing. But my question is the people that, you know, that may be listening that are struggling, a lot of time the church just says it's a sin, don't do it. You know, but for any, many other sins of, you know, drinking or divorce, promiscuity, there's lots of mentoring and counseling on God can fill you and heal you in all these places. And I don't hear much of that at all about homosexuality. I think so uh, I think Bob is just sitting here nodding his head. This is resonating with you, Bob, isn't it? Right. It certainly is. And I think you're exactly right. They need to hear not only that, that it's sin, but they need to hear that uh, there is a redemptive care and concern from the church for that, and that the church educates itself. Every church should not try to do this ministry, but certainly every church should know what to do for someone who comes to them. And I've had too many guys come to me that once they did go and talk to someone at the staff, they either were ignored or the church just looked the other way. So what would be what would you say would be the first step? Say someone comes to you and you are the... Uh, the point person in that church to deal with a homosexual, what would you say to that person? I would tell, I would assure them that that God can redeem that, that God can take them out of that lifestyle, and that uh, I will walk with them. Uh, we as a church will walk with them, whatever it takes, however long it takes. Dennis Jernigan, well-known singer and songwriter, said that one of the most helpful things for him was a friend who found out about his struggle and said, Dennis, I don't know anything about this. I don't know anything about homosexuality. I've never struggled with it. But I know what the answer is. And the answer is Jesus. And I will walk with you toward Jesus. Whatever it takes, however long it takes, I will walk with you. Any of us can do that, whether we know anything about homosexuality or not. Hmm. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Anne uh, has been waiting. Anne is in Dallas. Thanks for calling. Yes, thank you for taking the call. Um, as you can tell from my accent, I come to Dallas from up north, and I have two sisters who were married to men who came out gay. After uh, the marriage? So it touches me closely because it's in our family, uh, although they're divorced from them now. But um, I have another friend whose testimony I heard just two weeks ago, and it sort of chills me. This father... Uh, uh, is a professional who went to his daughter's second grade class to to uh, do a special program for the class, 
and he arrived early. This is in a public school. He arrived early and got in on the end of a movie the teacher was showing him. The the purpose of the the statement that he heard at the end of it, like the climax, was that you should consider having sex with people of your own gender so that you won't have babies when you grow up. Now, this is being told to seven-year-olds, and he just happened to hear his daughter being told this via this movie. Otherwise, if the child didn't say anything when she came home, he wouldn't have known. Wow, that's that's, uh, pretty much out there. (laughs) I haven't heard that one, Bob. Well, yeah, I've heard that, and it's not as uncommon as you might think, unfortunately. Hmm. Well, you know, it's no wonder um, there's so much um, rampant open homosexuality, and I think uh, that's one thing that we're seeing that we didn't see uh, perhaps in uh, the years that I was going to school is that now uh, it is seen as sort of a freeing uh, statement to make that I am gay in some circles. And so there's not the idea that you have to hide it anymore. There's the openness. There's the recruiting of others, say, in the public schools. And uh, so we do live in a society now where we who know and understand that this is not God's way to live, we really need to balance the way we deal with this, uh, not only in condemning the sin, but also loving the sinner, don't we? Exactly. Exactly. Um, I think it's Joe Dallas also who says we we say um, hate the sin, love the sinner, and he said we've got the hate part down. We need to work on the love part, and and I think we are. I think we're making strides in that. I I think we just need to be a little bit more advanced in doing it. But I think I see signs of improvement in that. Well, um, you know there are several places in the Bible where homosexuality is addressed, contrary to uh, the statements of some of those who say it's actually not addressed as a sin. Uh, and that's a, a subject for another day. But in First Corinthians six uh, nine through eleven, of course, it says, "Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God?" And then there's a list there, which includes homosexuals. Uh, really, these are just people living in open rebellion to God's principles, homosexuality being one of those groups of people. There are other groups. But then in verse 11, it says, And such were some of you. Uh, and, you know, addressing the sanctification and justification that comes with faith in Jesus Christ. That sanctification, that justification That rightness with God comes from faith in Jesus Christ. It says, and such were some of you. Homosexuals can change. Join us tomorrow. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m., for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.